Should we pray? Let's pray together for a moment or two. And we're going to come. So if you have a Bible, you might like to just get it ready at uh, Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to pray. But Philippians, we're looking as a church at the letter to the Philippians. And uh, so chapter 1 is where we're going to be starting this morning. So, but should we pray just for a moment or two? Heavenly Father, this morning we, we really do thank you that you are indeed the living God. We thank you for one another around us, beside us. Uh, some we know very well, others of us we maybe not know quite so well here this morning, but we pray for the encouragement of the person sitting beside me or behind me, the person that's here this morning. For those that couldn't make it today, we pray with connected to the life of our church that they would be encouraged wherever they are for whatever reason that they can't be here. Father God, as we turn to your word, we just pray that it would jump out the page. Thank you that it's not just in ink, written just by someone's imagination or thoughts. But this is God-breathed. This is something that has been conceived in your heart and breathed out by your spirit into the hearts of men and women over the centuries and now communicated to us. And so we pray that, if at all anything, that you, by your spirit, will jump out of the page and grab our hearts and our minds and our spirits today. I pray for each one that is here that there'll be something that we may be challenged, inspired, and encouraged upon the Holy Spirit that we may be able to build our lives on you, Jesus, the solid rock and foundation of our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, and come and have your way and speak to us. Maybe there are words that we're going to read and hear that we've heard before, seen before, but the beautiful thing about your word is, no matter how many times I've come this way, there's always something fresh. And we just pray that you will grab our attention afresh today. Just as Moses had probably seen many burning bushes in the desert, but on one day there was a bush that didn't, wasn't consumed. It grabbed his attention. So I pray, we pray that you'll give us burning bush experiences where you'll grab our attention through your word. You'll grab our attention by your spirit and you'll tug at our hearts and fill us again afresh, we pray. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Philippians chapter 1 and... Uh, just really, what, there's one verse I'd like us to look at, but we'll read from verse 1 just to get the context, but it's, it's um, verse 6 that I particularly want to focus on this morning. Paul writes, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3 reads from the NIV, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the day, from the first day until now. Being confident, and this is the verse I want to just pick up on this morning. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth and in insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He goes on to say, 
Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, that's the Praetorian guard, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Verse 6, I am confident, says Paul, that he who started a work in you will bring it to completion. Paul is confident in the Philippian believers. And for you and I as believers, the confidence is this, that whatever God does in our lives, he starts, he will bring to completion. I want to speak about finishing well this morning, just for a few moments. And then we're going to come and close and sing, worship together, and just respond to what um, God sort of tugs at our hearts with this morning. Paul speaks of a confidence in God. What he starts, he finishes. I don't know about you, but but we sort of live very much today in a bit of a throwaway age. You can spend quite a lot of money on something, but it has a year's guarantee, a certain shelf life. I, I, yeah, things don't seem to last. I don't, am, I, am I? Perhaps I'm showing my age a little bit now, getting a bit philosophical. Things don't seem to last as long as they used to. They're, it, it, they, they're built, you know, whether that's a bit, or maybe there's a bit of a cynic in me. Things are built so that you buy another one, upgrade, get another one. This is better, this is newer, go for this. So there does seem to be, it seems to be an age where you trade things in, you move on quick. Things don't last quite so long. There's a bit of that going on. Uh, I, th- I think there's also a, a, something else in the background of life today. Um, loyalty doesn't seem to be rewarded as much as it used to be. So you can be loyal to a certain power company, and yet the people joining for the first time get all the rewards. And you've been there 10 years, and you don't seem to get a reward. Where's the logic? I don't get that. What, what is that? It seems to be the loyal ones pay for the ones chopping and changing. So what they say today is this. Change. Don't stay loyal. Chop and change. It's a bit like that in life and in work. You, there isn't a, a sense where there used to be, used to be where you could have a job for quite a long time. They used to say certain jobs were for life. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But there doesn't seem to be that same sense of continuity. It's a, it's a chop and change sort of society. And Paul speaks in here of something where we, whereby we can be incredibly confident. Paul is incredibly confident in God. There is, a, there is a sense today where people lack a sense of confidence. Will I be here tomorrow? Will I be in that job? It's the same job today. How long will it last? Will I have this house? Will I still earn the same salary? That sense of confidence is, it seems to be, um, I wouldn't say it's diminished, but it, it's, a, it's a bit of a low ebb for lots of people. We, we, we're seeking a sense of confidence. And Paul says this, I am confident. I am completely, 100% assured in God. The things that God starts in my life and your lives and our lives, he will finish. Now, this is amazing. This is an amazing revelation. And it's this that I just want to unpack just for a few moments this morning, which can really speak into modern life. It can really speak into my heart, your life, our lives, a life of a church, and a life, our lives today. So there are three things that I want to look at. First of all, I'm going to look at the present condition then uh, we'll look at the promise that Paul looks, uh, comes upon. And um, from that promise, there is a provision. Present condition, promise, and provision. Three things that we're going to look at um, 
this morning. So first of all then, present condition. I don't know about you, but you, you may um, be looking at your life at the moment. And there are times in our lives where we just think about what's going on around us. What's going on in your life right now in circumstance and home and family and job and and your aspirations and your, where you always wanted to be, what you hope God would do in your life, what's going on in family. I, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I think, am I going to make this? Am I going to get through this? Am I going to make ends meet? Am I, am I going to see light at the end of the tunnel? Am I really going to get there, God? Are you really with me, God? Am I going to get through this? That that is a big level of life. It comes to us all. There are moments in our lives. And I think Paul is writing this amazing letter at a time in his life when the present circumstance was not particularly good. He was under arrest. He talks about being in chains. Uh, Although he was allowed to write letters, people were allowed to come and see him. There was a degree. But his life was in danger. He didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Whether he would lose his life or keep his life. His liberty was at stake. His life was at stake. And the present condition for Paul, when he wrote this letter of confidence, this amazing, amazing letter, is that his present circumstance wasn't good. And I don't know about you, but in my life, there are those moments, can I do it? And there is a a tendency to to just want to give in. Give in to the circumstance. Give give up on that. Uh, Go and start somewhere else. And uh, uh, just, just give up on that. And um, into this environment, and I'm sure that Paul would have felt like that at, at times, there is this revelation that he has where he says, I am confident. The translation there doesn't really quite give away. He, he's, he's really talking about 100% certainty. Another translation says, I am confident and certain. But the way it's translated, it's like, Unshakable, no shadow of doubt, no shadow of doubt. That's the gist of the translation here. Doesn't quite see it when he says the word confident, but the way in which it's written, it means I have no shadow of doubt that what God starts in my life, what he's doing in my life, call me to be an apostle to the churches, even if my life is in danger, if I'm under threat, I'm in chains, I'm gonna lo- I could lose my life. The work that God is doing in me, he will bring it to a completion. What he starts, he will complete. And you'll, you'll see this in, in, verses, uh, chapter, in verse, chapter 1, verse 7, and verses 12 to 14. This is why I read it. He speaks about being in chains, being under arrest. And then he goes on to say, but all of this is done for the glory of God. Even the whole palace guard now are hearing about Jesus. And in actual fact, the church is now even more confident because of my chains. He can see God in his circumstance. And this is the key. This is the first thing I would want to say. This is a key point to life. See God in it. Present circumstance. Can you see God in it? This is a key point for Paul. He could see something. It's not something. He could see someone. You and I at times see things, circumstance. I do. But Paul could see someone in the something. He could see God in it. And can we see God in it? Um, David, the psalmist, he wrote several hundred years before Paul. He wrote this in Psalm 23, verse 4. And this is the point I'm trying to make. He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. 
An older translation says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I quite like the way it's translated there. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I can see you, God. David could see Jesus. David could see the Holy Spirit in it. And this is something spectacular. This is a key to life, is seeing God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit in my circumstance. Where the psalmist, where David wrote there, when I walk through the valley of the shadow, Paul, Paul will say, there's no shadow of doubt. I can see God in this. And this is probably the key to our lives. And I want to say this, recognition comes from relationship. Seeing, how do you see God in it? I mean, come on. How? Sometimes somebody will, sometimes you're, you're, you won't see God in it. You will just see your circumstance and say, woe is me. I've had it. I'm in the pit. And David wrote many a psalm that said, I'm abandoned in the pit. Help me out the pit. Um, and it's this. Recognition comes out of relationship. And for you and I, a relationship with a loving Heavenly Father, Almighty Father, a loving Father, a beautiful Savior, a wonderful Jesus, comes out of, if we know Him, we relate to Him. So for you and me, and uh, you know this, I'm sure, but for you and me, Sunday morning message, Sunday morning worship, a time which is wonderful, can be encouraging, and that's what it is, an encouragement along the way. It's a day-by-day walking. That's why Jesus said, come and follow me. Didn't he? This is the difference between religion, doing stuff, going to church, reading the Bible, going to church now and again, even praying prayers to God now and again. That's religion. But a relationship is a day-by-day walking, relating, speaking to, trusting in Jesus, talking to, him speaking, touching my heart and life. I'm walking with him and knowing his love. And recognition, seeing God in it, comes out of relationship. When you are touched, and when we are touched by true, pure love, this is why Paul said in Romans, in the letter to the Romans, I'm convinced of this, there's no height nor depth, life nor death, or demon power or sword that can separate me from the love of God. How could he say that? How could he see that? Because he had a living, walking, talking relationship. And so the key to seeing God in it. So David the psalmist said this, out of a great relationship, a love relationship, he could say, though I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. I see you. I feel you. I know you. I relate to you. You are here. You are here. Now, we might not see that straight away. My faith at times has been shaken. I haven't seen it straight away. But as I keep relating, speaking, praying, worshipping, walking, talking, listening to day by day, I begin to see. You begin to see. We begin to see him in the shadow so that Paul could say, I have no shadow of doubt. Our present circumstance, it's our relationship that gives us a sense of recognition. And you know, it's not based on pie in the sky, but based on promise, God's promise. Not pie in the sky, but promise. How about this? We have some amazing promises that God gives us. Paul said in Hebrews, he writes in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. 
I'll never... How about this? Father God. This is amazing. This comes out of a day-by-day walking in this. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You know, maybe you've had someone leave you and left you high and dry. Maybe circumstances changed in such that we feel abandoned and alone. Whether it's through sickness or something at work. I don't know. But this is what God says. I, Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, I'll never leave you. Give up on you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Jesus said this, Matthew 28, verse 20. Don't worry, we're not going to quote every single one of the promises, but let's just bathe. Let's just rely. Let's just lay hold of a few just for a moment or two. Matthew 28, verse 20. He says in the Great Commission, I am with you always to the end of the age. Said to the disciples, I'm going to go to be with the Father, but I will be with you always, 24-7, always. Always, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said to his disciples in John's gospel, don't be afraid. I'm going to go to be with the Father, but I send the Holy Spirit. He will be your helper, comforter, and advocate. He will be with you and in you. He's the one who's called alongside. The spirit or paraclete is called alongside. It means to be called para. Kratos means called alongside. So he will help, comfort, be with us always. And so the Holy Spirit will be with us always. This is why the disciples were so emboldened in the beginning of Acts. When Jesus was taken from them, they felt the Holy Spirit with them. And Jesus was always with them. And this is why they had courage. They didn't feel alone anymore. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead was with them in the person of the Spirit, in and amongst them and with them. How amazing is that as a promise? There are many, many stories. Jesus told a story of 99 sheep and one goes astray. And then he says, he goes to look for the one that is lost. That's the heart of God. There are 99 and yet there's one that is lost and astray. And he goes to look for the one that is lost. There are many, many promises, not based on pie in the sky, but the promise from the heartbeat of God that he will not let us go and he will not Leave us by. So no wonder then, we come back to chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says this. He who began or started a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He doesn't just say that off the top of his head. It comes out of deep sense of promise. A deep sense of conviction. A deep sense of living hope. It's interesting, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is described as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So we can say this, that Jesus has the first say and the last say in our lives. You know, when you face circumstance, God has the first say in your circumstance, and he also has the last say. It's not over until God says it's over. You know, when somebody says it's over, it's finished, it's ended, it's not going to happen, this will never happen, this will, you'll never do this, you can't, I can't. It's not over until God says it's over. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who starts, the one who completes. He's the first say and the final say. It's amazing. It's incredible to know that God has the final say in our hearts and lives. No one else can say that over me and over you. It's a promise. And finally, so into our present circumstance, 
out of relationship, we can recognize and we draw and dig deep into our relationship with Jesus Christ, giving him our hearts and lives. And out of that, we may know his promise to never let us go. But with his promise also comes finally his provision. It's really interesting that in the area of promise, it's not quite I just sit back and do whatever I like. I find it very interesting. Jesus says things like this. Promise or the promises need to be practiced. He says things like this. If you keep my commands, you will if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. John uh, 15 verse 10. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. And so there's something about promise that needs a sense of practice. This is the sense of relationships, not that we do things We continue in our relationship, following, listening to. Keeping Jesus' commands is listening to his voice, hearing his way. Me submitting my life to his will and his way. And so I'm called to align my life with his will and his way. I meet lots of people that, oh, God has said this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Now we know that there is a time and God has his time. But there's also something in our lives whereby we're to practice his promise. We're to align our lives with his will and his way. And this is what relationship does. It's not that we have to go and do stuff. And we've got a lot of regulations to keep. Keeping a relationship with Jesus Christ, speaking and talking and hearing and listening to him, will mean something amazing happens. I will want to live my life for him, his way, his time. And so something amazing begins to happen. I practice the promises. I've met lots of people that claim those promises and then go and do what they like. And go and live and do this and do that. But Jesus calls us to align our hearts to his will and his way. And when we do that, when we align our hearts to his will and his way, practice his promises, then he provides. He provides. I find that the, the finally as we look at this, his promise is linked to provision. It's very interesting that Jesus said this. He says to his disciples, don't be afraid. I go to be with the Father, but I will send the Holy Spirit to be with you and he will be in you and he will teach you what to say and you will receive power. There's both promise and provision in John 14. What we see is Jesus promising. He says, don't worry, don't panic. I go to be with the Father, but I promise the Holy Spirit to be called alongside you and he'll be with you and in you. And then the provision is that he will tell you what to say. He will speak through you and in you. He will give you power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And so what we find is this. With the promises, when we line up our hearts and we practice his promise and we give our hearts to his will and his way, there is his provision as well. The Spirit of God is beside us, with us, alongside us, in us. And it's, he's the one who gives us energy. He gives us power. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead raises us too. We are raised too. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us and in you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the promise that he makes. And so this is why Paul says, I am confident that the work that God starts is also the work that he will bring to completion. If and as I begin to align my heart and my life according to his will and his way, then as I begin to relate to him, I see Jesus in my life, I walk with him, I talk and listen to him, I begin to find that his provision comes that I prosper. I love the translation of the message from time to time. Look at this. This is Philippians chapter 1, and with this we close. Philippians 1, 
verse 6. And in the message, it reads like this. And this is a beautiful rendition of all that we've just been talking about this morning. Chapter 1, verse 6, reads like this. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. God will bring to a flourishing finish. There's something really powerful about submitting and yielding and walking in Jesus Christ because he will bring to pass a flourishing finish. I don't know about you, but I want my walk and my life. I've been a Christian 34 years now. I've pastored in church life 20 Eight years now. I had to think about that. It's getting a, the time is going by. And I want to flourish even more. I don't want to go out like a damp squib. I've got some of my friends in ministry no longer in ministry. I want to finish not really well. I want God to have the final say. got the first say in my life, but the final say. I don't know what are you facing right now. God wants you to flourish in your marriage, flourish in our homes, flourish in life and at work, flourish in serving him, flourish in having a relationship with him. And I love what what Paul says there, and I love the translation. The message says, God will keep at it. It's an interesting translation. God is on our case. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. It's an interesting translation. Come on. It is a bit interesting. When I read that, I laughed. Keep at it as if God works hard, but he just never forsakes us. 24-7, on my case, always looking out for you and looking out for me. It's an interesting translation. It's pretty accurate, actually, the way that the translators got hold of the original language here. And this is, he goes on, he's, what he started, his great work in you, he'll keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish. I don't know about you, have you been knocked off course? I know lots of people who go into Christian ministry and they feel like giving up because it can be hard. Sometimes when we bump into people, was it they said to D.L. Moody, when you bump into people, we, we lose a sense, we leak a little. It's as if emotionally, physically, spiritually, you know, we drain away, as it were, in life. And perhaps you're here this morning and you've, you've volunteered in church life or you've gone into the mission field or we, we've, we've gone to give our hearts to God a certain way or we, we've dedicated our lives to a certain person and somebody's let you down. Maybe a pastor or a church has let you down or a denomination or maybe the person you love dearest has let you down. Maybe the justice system is letting us down. Maybe there's something that our manager or our work and our bosses are letting us down. But know this, but know this. God's desire that is he will keep at it on our lives, that we will have a flourishing finish. I don't know about you, but I want a flourishing finish. I want my life to be in the flow of what God has for me. And it means that I want to just lay hold of a relationship with him like I've never known before. To align my heart to his will and his way to practice his promise. So that I might know that when he speaks over my life, when he says, Adrian, that's it, you've done it now, it's finished, that's the end. He has the final say. No one else, nothing else, no circumstance. This is why Paul Paul was an amazing man, amazing apostle, but it's all because of his incredible relationship with Jesus, and that's for you and me. It's for you and me. He loves you too. He has no respect for persons. He loves you just as much as the person behind you, front you, whether you stand on stage, you speak a bit, you play instruments a bit, whatever we do a bit. God loves us, loves you, and is on your case. Can we trust him this morning? Can we trust him? Let's stand together. We're going to pray. We're going to worship as we close this morning. But I want to say to you, it's not pie in the sky, but a promise. 
There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it to bring it to a flourishing finish. God looks at you and says, I'm on your case. I'm for your life, for your marriage, your home. I know when, you, when you're in a situation for a long time, you can be ground down. So if you have long-standing sickness, a long-standing relationship issue, long-standing difficulties at work or in finances, or something that we've prayed about that hasn't come to pass for a long time, I know that can wear us down. I've been in that place too. Uh, we're all human. We all feel like that from time to time. But know this, that God, when he says, I start, he will be the one who says it completes. And he's on your case. If only you turn your heart towards him afresh, because he's got a flourishing finish for you. He wants you to flourish your marriage, your home, and our lives, and our church. That's the will of God. What a good father. What a good, good father. Father God, this morning we thank you, we honour you, and we just welcome you. We just say, have your way in our hearts and in our lives. This morning, Jesus, we want to finish well. We thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And we have no shadow of doubt that the, you're on our case. You're working at it all the time. Why? So that you can bring us to a flourishing finish. If anyone's been told, they're no good. Anyone's told themselves, I'm not a good husband, I'm not a good wife, I've blown it. This morning, anyone, we just say, we lift up your name, Jesus, over their lives. And run into your outstretched arms. This morning, will you just receive our hearts, receive our lives, as we say that we love you, we honor you. We want more of you. We give you more of ourselves. We want to practice your promises. We say, have your way. Have your way in my life, Jesus. I want to see you. I just pray, Father God, for where people have many, many tears. There are some here this morning, they've cried so many tears, they can't see a way ahead. So I pray, Jesus, that you give them a revelation that they'll see you. They'll see you in the midst of their sickness. They'll see you in the midst of their trial. We want to see you. We want to see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.